Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to Brew Crew Review Podcast with Vince and Craig joining you here today. Um, and after several dark months here in the Brewers history as a uh, um, not too many good good things have happened since the end of the 2023 season for the Milwaukee Brewers, fan, for their fans, our listeners, or for us. However, we've got some great positive news developing uh, for this episode. And I'll start by saying the, the Milwaukee Brewers have reached an agreement with the state legislation to fund the stadium repairs. And a contract has been signed for the Brewers to stay in their home here in Milwaukee through 2050. So that's 26 more seasons and um, they'll be uh, home, the stadium here at AmFam Field. So that's exciting news. What was your reaction to that, to that news, Vince? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty excited. As a Brewer fan, it seems like, you know, there's always this weird threat that's sort of just looming over the organization every 25, 30 years that, um, you know, kind of threatens that the team might move. I do think that that's, has been and is an empty threat. I think that Milwaukee is an incredible market for baseball. I think that our fans have, um, you know, despite living in the 29th or 30th uh, city in terms of market size, they continue to to come out strong for the team and are, you know, generally as high as ninth uh, or at worst at, as middle of the pack um, goes in terms of MLB attendance. So I do think that MLB has a ton of problems bigger than the Brewers. Um, I was really opposed to how Rob Manford came into Milwaukee and was trying to strong arm uh, local taxpayers into supporting, you know, this deal without, uh, and, and if we didn't, then the team was going to leave. I, I was really kind of offended by his tactics, but that being said, um, obviously I'm overjoyed that there was an agreement that was reached. Um, very excited that we're going to have major league baseball in Milwaukee for, you know, many decades to come, hopefully forever. And um, as far as the deal itself goes, I think that, I think the state could have gotten a little bit more out of the Brewers. I do think that, um, you know, there are some aspects that I, I probably would have pushed on a little bit if I were an elected official. That being said, um, overall, I think it's probably a win-win for everybody. So, you know, from that perspective, and obviously from the Brewers thing, Milwaukee, I'm very supportive and excited. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of people, um, you know, agree with your assessment on that overall, um, where – the and just let, let me let's give fans a breakdown of who's all paying what. Uh, it was been reported that in order for the Brewers to stay in a long term deal here at Ampham Field, that uh, formerly Miller Park would they were going to have over $600 million with the repairs in the coming years. Um, and someone would have to pay for that. And basically, that's a little the first of all, the number was kind of astounding to me because I, I don't I believe Miller Park itself cost now this is over 20 years ago, obviously, but only cost less than 300 million if if I remember correctly. So to have the repairs cost double that, I, I don't really totally understand or the maintenance or whatnot. But uh apparently that you know, so here's a breakdown of what was actually in the final deal. Um 411 million will be paid from the state, 135 will be paid from the city of Milwaukee, city and county of Milwaukee, and 100 million will be a commitment from Milwaukee Brewers. So that got them to the numbers that they needed. So I think it was uh, something that came together where everyone pitched in 
um, what everyone consider, uh, at least to get this deal to happen, a somewhat fair deal. Um, and again, yeah. I, I don't disagree with the fact that this is kind of something that um, shouldn't be burdened on the taxpayers. You've got billionaire owners coming into major league cities and demanding things, demanding stadiums be built, repairs be done, all this stuff. And um, I understand the circumstances or whatnot. And, and uh, I'm as a Brewer fan and obviously a lifelong Milwaukee Brewer fan, this is outstanding news because 2050, that's going to take uh, most of us, or maybe not your our younger listeners, but uh, mo most of us into our senior year. So that uh, knowing that baseball will be in Milwaukee for the uh, majority of our lifetime is something that that's worth uh, celebrating for sure. Yeah, I mean, on a practical level, that's that's very true. Um, it is exciting, and it is it is good that it didn't get to the point where. In Craig, I know that you're you and I are both old enough to remember this, but you know, as a Brewer fan in the mid 1990s, things got very scary uh, in terms of you know the potential for the team leaving, and there were very contentious debates that took place at that time in the Wisconsin State Legislature that um, were literally going down to the last minute. Um, that that saved the team by one vote. So the fact that we didn't let it get to that point uh, this time around is very good. So I, I am excited, you know, that we kind of avoided some of that political acrimony and we're able to, to solve this. Um, you know, I, I guess my biggest regret is just that the, I wish that there was a few more perks out there for Brewer fans uh, themselves, you know, the people who just like to go to games. And um, I know that there's a, been a five County uh, half price discount week or whatever for, years now since the construction of Miller Park and that's great but I do wish that there were I do wish that there were some things in place that the state would have mandated basically that said hey you're receiving public money you have to you know maybe spend a certain percentage of your revenues on player personnel or let's at least see the books like the public still hasn't seen the books uh, of the brewers so we really don't know what type of revenue we're even talking about um, at this point on an annual basis so I think I would have tried to put some of those protection measures in for the public uh, that would have looked at it maybe from a, a fan's perspective and, and spoke up for that. So again, that being said, I'm, I'm happy overall, obviously, that the team is going to be in Milwaukee for um, decades to come and hopefully longer. At, at that point, maybe we'll maybe we'll be the first game at the new new stadium uh, at that point, since we were all together at the first game at Miller Park. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so that's exciting news for Brewer fans. I know there was a little bit of worry, but I, I didn't feel like the concern level got very high. Like, like you said, mentioned the mid nineties when it literally came down to like one person changing their mind on a vote. One vote. Um, yeah. And so, and, and that person, and that person got recalled from office. If you remember, Craig, yep. that was uh, very contentious down in Racine, and there was a state senator who who did get recalled because of his vote uh, to include Racine in the tax base for the new stadium. Yeah, and for any of the fans who have been at Amfam Field and Miller Park um, and have checked out the Bud Selig experience, it goes into detail on that. Uh, it was a really cool thing. If, no, if, you're a, if you're a fan of the Milwaukee Brewers and you haven't spent the time to check that, I would do that. I assume that's a uh, going to be a permanent thing there at Amfam Field, but uh, just in case it ever yeah. goes away, I would take advantage of checking that out if you, has, if you haven't already as a Brewer fan. It's really cool. Uh, well, I, you know, one other thing that I would have pushed for with this new money, and hopefully somebody up there is uh, using this as leverage to get this done. I would love to see the Brewers build a team Hall of Fame uh, as part of the renovations of the stadium. I would absolutely love that. I think it's it's very much needed. And then you make the Selig experience a part of a larger um, Milwaukee Brewers or Milwaukee Baseball Hall of Fame inside the stadium. That's that's exactly what should be done. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. It should be expanded. Uh, and I, and again, I think that they were hoping um, to have a few more banners to fly <laughs> before they did that. But um, we got that 2020 wild card banner, Craig. <laughs> that's right. And it's yep, 20, 2008 wild card championship banner. But yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I mean, I, I think that that they'll, that's definitely coming in the future. As I, I don't think that there's any. Uh, team on any franchise that's as revered as the 1982 Brewers team. I, I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but I mean, for a team that didn't actually win the World Series, and again, yeah. we had to hang our as fans, hang our heads on that team for so long. But there was just something about that team that really just made them like kind of like a band of myths. As you had a couple of like Hall of Famers and uh, future Hall of Famers saying uh, on that team, obviously, and like Fingers, yeah, Yount um, Mauder, Sutton, and Simmons. That that that, that Simmons made the Hall now too. Yeah, so that's like five Hall of Famers. But with that being said, you had guys like, you know, uh, Gorman Thomas or even like guys like Mark Brohard, who I think was a Rule 5 draft the other time. And he had a huge uh, game four. I think he was like three for four with like six RBIs or something like that against the Angels his, um, and game four of the ALCS, which really propelled us to our first World Series. And so, uh, you know, and just other just cast of characters, you know, with mustaches and beer guts and all that stuff. And um, you know, Mike Hollow, I think through like 23, uh, complete games, um, around that time. So anyway, yeah. um, yeah, it was just a, a fun team. And I think people really look back and, and it was just something really Milwaukee about them, but, um, anyway, hopefully yeah, we're going to yeah, be building. Well, that, that... Oh, I'm sorry, Greg, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, you hit it on the head with the idea that that team very much related to the community that they played in. It wasn't just like a band of guys that were all brought in and, you know, high-priced free agents that had nothing to do with the actual team or city where they played. It was, this was a team that very much was Milwaukee. I mean, all of those guys looked like they could be at a bar in West Dallas, and many nights they actually were. So, um, you know, that's that's why I think they are still so fondly remembered in Milwaukee today. Exactly. The Pete Vukovic, yeah, definitely with you on your side in a bar fight, that's for sure. Um, so let's move on to the other exciting news, uh, which is really <laughs> hot off the presses. Um and that's the Brewers, and uh, who knows? Maybe it was because of the fact that they knew that they were going to have, uh, you know, the stadium deal in place. But Mark Antonossi, you know, decided to spend a little money and lock up what I think the Brewer fans hope to be, and the Brewer front office hopes to be, a future franchise player who has not yet played even a game in a Milwaukee Brewer uniform yet. And that's Jackson Trio, outfielder, who is. <laughs> consensually a top three prospect in all baseball entering 2024. So, well, anyway, here's the exciting news. The Brewers have signed him to an eight year, $80 million contract with two club options. We don't have all the details on the club options yet, but the fact that the Brewers can now control a player for 10 seasons, uh, when in reality through the arbitration process, they would have controlled through six seasons. Basically, what we're doing is assigning him to an extension of anywhere from two to four years with the Brewers making those decisions um, going forward. And that's that's huge because as we're seeing in a small market team like the Brewers, once uh, their big time players uh, hit free agency, uh, it's tough for us to compete, giving them long term, you know, 10 year contracts. Whereas if you got a rookie like this, uh, it's a huge risk, but the reward is very high. Um, what What is your take on this signing, Vince? I mean, it's great news. I I think that we're all we all have been kind of on the same page for many years now, which which is that the Brewers need to lock guys up long term when they're younger, just to, to be able to to keep their own players. And 
We've seen them do that with some of their players like Freddie Peralta. I think that we all wish that they probably would have been a little bit more aggressive in locking up Corbin Burns, uh, you know, back when those negotiations were happening following the 2020 and into the 2021 season as was reported this past week. Um, so I'm glad that they're taking a risk. Uh, it's not as big of a risk as, you know, many people might think. Um, I I keep looking at the salary for baseball outfielders and it's, like all positions, I guess, keeps going up every year. So even the average salary of an outfielder in Major League Baseball right now um, is is about $5.2 million. So, you know, to to get a talent like Churio could be, uh, in which by all uh, metrics he, he certainly is or is likely to be, I think is outstanding. Um, and to have that team control is going to be uh, not only great just because we have the team control, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of what an average annual MLB outfielder salary is going to be by the time that this deal ends. And I think that we're going to be uh, absolutely getting a steal of a deal by the end of this contract uh, if Trio stays healthy. Yeah, and actually we should point out that it actually breaks the MLB record for the longest and, and, and um, I should say the highest paid out contract for anyone given to any player that's not ever appeared in the major leagues yet. And the, the previous record was six-year $50 million deal in 2020 given by the Chicago White Sox outfielder uh, Luis uh, Robert Jr. Um, and so, I mean, this for a small market team like the Brewers to give out this record-breaking contract, I think, is huge. It also shows how much they really believe in Jackson Trio as a future all-star level player franchise type player and again this shows to me that mark antonacio values something as a businessman running this he may not be all in it to for sure win a world series but he does want to have a marketable product every year and a competitive product every year and this shows me that he really the yellow signing and this signing uh leads me to believe that he really feels that having a franchise player at least one franchise player is something that uh is very attractive to market your franchise. And I think that once, uh, you know, obviously Christian Yelich is not quite the player he was when we signed to that contract as a franchise player coming off of almost, uh, you know, MVP season and almost a second one. Um, I think Jackson Trio will fill fill that role um, of franchise player. At least that's the hopes. Uh, but with that being said, I have, I think the majority of uh, Brewer fans are very ecstatic about this. However, um, there, it does not come without risk. I mean, there's been plenty of players actually that have been given contracts um, and have not worked out. Um, for, for instance, even uh, you know, former Brewer uh, John Singleton was signed before his rookie year, five-year, $16 million, or I'm sorry, five-year, $10 million a year with the Astros, and he ended up being a huge bust. You've got Evan White, a first baseman for the Mariners, signed a six-year, $24 million deal back in 2019. He was also a bust. You've got Scott Kingery, six years, $24 million in 2018 for the Phillies. He was a bust. Um, all those players were in the top 30 overall prospects in Major League Baseball at the time of those signings, I believe. And then, of course, the on the flip side of that, where you really get rewarded, are the examples of Rana Acuna, who I, I think signed his big contract during his first month in the big leagues, he signed for eight years, $100 million um, with the Braves. And obviously, he's hands down the best player in baseball, or at least the National League, uh, as he just took home the MVP award. Um, 
And then, but here's another example of risk. Wander Franco, 11 years, 80, $180 million contract as a rookie with the Rays. Um, he obviously seems like a real solid player and franchise player. However, now he has some off the field issues because of uh, inappropriate relationships with that, underage females or whatnot. And so that, um, yeah, that there's was some kind risk. Of weird, that, there's always off the field risk too. So I don't know. I, this is de definitely something that... Um, I think it's the type of risk a small market team needs to make, and uh, the reward just is, is too great to not to not go for it. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think I think with Franco's contract, it's a little bit unique in the sense that if there is a legal problem, then the team isn't going to cover that. I don't think so. I think that there's, uh, you know, he'll be suspended at some point without pay, and or there'll be some insurance policy that the team probably would have taken out on a contract like that. Um, given a legal scenario, but but to your point though, there is risk on both sides. Uh, Churio is risking giving up, you know, multiple years where he could probably make more um, if his talent is is at the level that we think it is. Uh, then again, the Brewers are you know taking a, a definite chance and that they're going to be paying a guy, you know, tens of million, ten million dollars a year to potentially sit at home. I mean, we don't know. So uh, I think that the risk is is justifiable and i think that both sides are giving up something here um in order to maybe gain something big on both sides so it's a bet that i would be willing to take if i was mark adonacio and and again i hate to put it like this but 80 million dollars is kind of chump change for an, ML, an mlb team over the course of 10 years particularly when you look at what salaries will probably be by the time that this deal is done uh, 10 years from now yeah and like i said the details have come out on the two option years which i'm sure will probably be in excess of 15 or 20 million dollars per year but again for this day's outfielder and, and we're talking that's eight or ten years from now eight to ten years from now that the, the salaries could probably be uh, at, you know for for superstar yeah. players probably be like 30 or 40 million per season um that, that's you know, that's that's what i'm saying yeah and and we are getting confirmation from our anonymous source tom carter that it is going to be over 20 million dollars on those team option years just so you know craig but that's coming oh, from tom carter I, or, yeah yeah yeah, he's he he's he could get in trouble for giving us that information though. So he said, as long as we just call him TC, we're good. So no one knows who we're really talking you. about. Not uh, anyone with a specific name, Tom or Carter. So um, okay, but no. Also, so no, very exciting. And and what do you think this means for? Um, I'm not sure if it's in his contract language, but I'm guessing he's definitely earmarked to be part of the 2024 Brewers. Um, outfield what what is your take do you think he'll start opening day on the roster i do uh, and in fact i don't know this for sure and, and we did not get any confirmation on that from our anonymous source but i do know that um if i'm Torrio's camp i'm definitely going to be putting that into these discussions if not formally i'm i'm at least going to mention that and i think that it would probably be something that the two sides have not only talked about but essentially agreed to already that Torrio is going to be uh on the opening day roster uh, going going forward for this year. So, which means that, you know, he's going to get um, that much more big league service time. And I guess one of the things this does is it makes that clock not quite as relevant because you're locked in for 10 years either way. But I do think that Cheerios camp is going to want to get him as much exposure as possible, as early as possible. So they're going to probably have insisted that he's on the big league roster. And that's been done with contracts in the past. I know that Ricky Weeks had a something uh, in his contract that he signed with the Brewers after being drafted that 
made him come up for a couple of bats in 2003, you know, probably a year before he's ready. I don't think he came back again until 2005. So there are things that can happen. Um, Churio has not spent much time at AAA, so um, we'll see how he does. And it may take a little time to adjust to big league pitching. But that being said, it seems as though the Brewers are highly confident in their analytics department and the ability to, to kind of measure the talent level of the guys in our system and obviously are very, very high on Jackson Churio. So I, I'd be surprised if he was not on the team on opening day. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more at length with uh, Trio in the next episodes, but um, I do have some reservations about how, the, how high his ceiling is. A lot of people are expecting him to turn into Ronald Acuna. Cunha, I, I honestly think Ronald Acuna is like a once-in-a-couple-of-generation type player. He's that good and like basically shoeing Hall of Famer at this point. I think putting that much – I just don't feel like his ceiling is that high. However, I, I'm very confident he'll be, he'll be a really – Comp, you know, all-star level everyday player at least, um, and so that that's something, um, and, and definitely worth that contract. So it's very exciting times for Brewer fans. Um, also wanted to congratulate Devin Williams uh, for winning a little hardware for the Milwaukee Brewers in the offseason. Here he won the Trevor Hoffman NL Reliever of the Year award just yesterday, um, and that's the second time he's won that award in the last couple of years. So congratulations to him. Outstanding 2023 season. So, uh, yeah, that that's a great point, Craig. It should also be mentioned that that is the seventh time that a uh, Brewers reliever has won the award here. Here from Scotty's interns in the history department: uh, Devin Williams, Josh Hader, Raleigh Fingers, and John Axford uh, are the four Brewers relievers to have won the award. And Josh Hader won three times, Devin twice, uh, and then the other guys once each. All right. Well, it's very exciting. Um, so congratulations to to Devin. And like I said, hasn't been the greatest offseason up till now, but now with the hot stove season coming up, um, I guess we'll just t- we'll touch on this more next podcast. But what are your feelings, given the fact that uh, we no longer have Brandon Woodruff in our organization or Wade Miley? Um, do you think the Brewers will look this offseason to trade Corbin Burns and or Willie Adamas or hold on to both of them? Maybe trade one, I think that the, hold one, yeah. trade both, hold both. What, like, what, if you had to guess, what would be, what would be your, what, what do you think they'll do? My guess is, and this has been reported by some of our colleagues, uh, like Kurt Hogg, but I do think that the Brewers are certainly listening uh, on all offers, but I, I don't think that the Brewers necessarily feel like they have to trade these guys either. I think that there is, uh, first of all, there's still plenty of time left in the offseason, even though I, I hate that phraseology because usually it means that we're missing out on guys that we should have been targeting earlier. That being said, I, I do think that it's okay if the Brewers hold on to these guys uh, until the deadline or even let them reach free agency and you get your, your picks instead of um, resigning these guys or trading them for something. If we do end up trading them, um, I just hope that it's for a very good package and that the Brewers don't rush to make a deal just for the sake of making a deal. I, I don't think that we need to from a – financial point of view i think that you know with the guys that we are not bringing back uh at least at this juncture the brewers have plenty of payroll flexibility i think that you know so you we can certainly afford a guy like corbin burns and, and willie Thomas with their current salaries the issue obviously is what they're going to make as free agents so i i personally would hold on to them until it's the exact right deal or take the picks you know and and i've been on record as saying this before but i do think that I do think a very viable strategy for this organization would be to go into the year with what you've got 
still look to improve uh, for 2024 and then let let them reach free agency. And worst case scenario, we play bad next year. We trade them at the deadline, um, barring an injury. So I I would tend to think that there's there's a couple of trains of thought. I just I just don't want us to trade them without getting peak value back uh, just for the sake of trading them. Yeah. I, I agree with your philosophy. Um, what If it were me and what I'm guessing is that they're likely to move Willie Thomas this off season. And then if I were them, I would actually hold on to Burns until the trade deadline. I think you can actually get a bigger package for him then. And that mm-hmm. way you would give the 2024 Brewers some hope uh, in reaching, you know, the postseason with a couple of aces still in hand. And if, if indeed we July, middle of July comes, the Brewers are, you know, winning the NL central are definitely looking like a playoff team. I think you hold on to Burns and just offer them a qualifying offer. And then you take whatever pick comes with that. And the reason why I think we can afford to do that is the organization is because of the fact that the Brewers haven't pushed all their ships to the, the middle of the table, like we've wanted them to over the last couple of competing seasons yeah. and therefore they haven't emptied out their farm system our farm system is re- in really good shape in my opinion um to the point yeah. where like yep. i don't even know that there's too many positions that we're completely lacking on in the minor leagues obviously you can never have enough pitching but beyond that i mean i, I don't know that we there's even uh, positions of need that we'd need to really restock for so so i think the brewers are at the luxury of affording to be able to keep burns all the way to the end of burns or diamonds for that matter all the way to the end of next season um, and, and not, you know, have a really, um, you know, being left, you know, holding the bag, so to speak. And, yeah, uh, like they just were with Woodruff, but I think with what happened with Woodruff, unfortunately, um, you know, there's some risk involved. I think that they're seeing, I think, you know, waiting like they did on Woodruff and, and no one would have expected this injury to happen, obviously, but, um, you, you just never know. Sometimes you got to get what you can get uh, when you can get it, so to speak. If there's if the offer is so strong, it makes yeah sense for your long term health of your organization. That's fine, but so I, that's my guess on what they'll do. But we shall see, I guess. Yeah, and I'm not opposed to them trading Burns if the right offer comes around. I just don't want them to feel like they have to do it, which is what ended up happening with Josh Hader, where I think that we took a lesser offer than we should have for the best reliever in baseball, and. That that's my concern with Burns too. I, I actually don't have a ton of faith in this front office to pull off trades under pressure uh, for a variety of reasons, mostly given their deadline antics the last like five of the last six years. So I, what I what I do think could happen though is your scenario could could definitely be true. You could slide uh, if Adamus is traded, and hopefully you can get a pretty good return from Adam for Adamus at this point. He's a power hitting shortstop. You then could move Terang over to short, which is his natural position that he's played for you know most of his career. And then go out and get a second baseman and, and um, you know, go from there. Maybe maybe at that point, you know, you start looking at some longer-term things. Do you, do you sign Woodruff then to a two-year deal? He's still out there on the market. Maybe he can come back in August and pair with Burns if you're being really optimistic. Um, we'll see what Miley gets on the open market as far as offers go. But, um, you know, I do think the Brewers have some hope in their – younger guys and coming up through the starting pitching ranks, as you alluded to, I think that Ashby coming back from injury is exciting. Um, you know, I do think that we've got some depth with uh, Robert Gaster in the minor leagues. I think, you know, there's, there are reasons for hope. And I just think that the Brewers need to not totally punt on this year and at least come up with a strategy that maintains um, both flexibility and the ability to, to, to bring in, you know, talent as needed. Absolutely. So I, I think that that's kind of what their philosophy will be moving forward. So it's still exciting as uh, in spite of the, the setbacks, uh, losing our, you know, franchise icon. Uh, 
manager and also, you know, losing Woodruff and also dipping out of the playoffs after two games and uh, a season where I thought we had a strong enough team to make a deep, deep run. Um, those are all disappointing things, but what's, I think this episode, we're turning the page into 2024 and with plenty of excitement and there can be nothing more exciting than having the Brewers locked in in Milwaukee through 2050 and Jackson Trio, uh, a member of the Milwaukee Brewers for at least his first 10 seasons in the big leagues, most likely. So um, I'm going to even take one step further, Craig, and say I'm also excited at this point about Pat Murphy too. I'm, I'm actually yeah. very much have come to terms with the Craig Council era being over and think that, you know, I was talking about this with a few people, um, including Scotty's interns, but I, I just think that if you're, if you're looking at Craig's track record here, he obviously was a great manager, is a great manager, but I also think that he is somebody that wasn't able to get this team over that, that line in the postseason. And there is something to the idea that maybe it's his leadership that wasn't able to carry that torch a little bit further. So, you know, we might as well try something new at this point. We, we were left with no other choice because of Craig's, uh, you know, taking the money in Chicago. So I, at this point, I have not only come to terms with it, but I'm actually excited to see what a new voice in the dugout can do. And I think that Pat Murphy um, is probably a, a great a great fit for at least this iteration of the team for the next year or two. And even though uh, Craig Council did not win an LL Manager of the Year award uh, as a member of the Milwaukee Brewers, as I probably feel he should have, now this year I, I feel so Pat Murphy will win <laughs> NL Manager of the Year and Craig Council will not. So there we go. <laughs> maybe he'll be yeah maybe it'll actually be murphy that'll be the first brewers manager to win the manager of the year award how, how funny and fitting would that be that'd Love be awesome it. and that's what i'm expecting so there's probably gonna be a lot of player movement here in december so i'm sure we'll have some more podcasts before our infamous oh, yeah. christmas episode coming up yeah christmas um, episode and hey craig let me just uh, throw out there really quick don't forget it don't forget to give us a follow brooker review one on twitter we do most of our interacting with y'all on there and then um you can email Scotty. Uh, his email address is Brew Crew Review Podcasts with an S at gmail.com. Uh, I'm sure he will get back to your emails shortly. All right. Stay classy, Brewer fans, and <laughs> go Brewers. Go Brewers. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Scotty. Do, 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 do.